Hey guys, this is Eric Nelson. I decided to start a podcast talking with the people who make up Center Point Church and learn a little bit about each individual unique walk of faith. Hope you enjoy. I just feel we doing a podcast. Will you do this? <laughs> On this episode, I get to talk with my friend Juan Carrera. We get to talk about how he is a leader in the children's ministry at the church how he was in the Marines, and how he and his wife, Virginia, have been leading Financial Peace University at the church. I got to learn a little bit more about him and his walk of faith, and I really enjoyed it. Hope you do too. Take a listen. So wait, cleaning, what do you mean by that? So, you know, trying not to eat processed foods. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know the good oils stuff like that I'm trying to stay away from like the big heavy nasty carbs you know mm-hmm. processed stuff so it's like sweet potato and quinoa are probably the only carbs I really eat besides you know vegetables and stuff like that have you ever uh, done like a like a whole 30 I did do plan. whole 30 you so did? I did that when I was in, Tr- in Trinity yeah uh, Trinity Fitness and I actually won the competition there I won, really in a month I lost man 26 pounds wow something like that nice yeah, so. Jeez. I mean, Not, I killed it today. I told Virginia I had a donut today. I was just so <laughs> my, They brought me donuts because my work's worried about people leaving, so they're trying to show appreciation to people. So my mm-hmm. program manager's like, I really appreciate it. And brought me six donuts. I'm like, I can't eat that. <laughs> but then I came in and ate one and gave the rest to everybody else. <laughs> so is, is the whole 30 like something that you're supposed to like continue with it, or is it just like a 30 day kind of challenge? Like, or is so it, it's a 30 day challenge, okay. at least from my understanding, 30 day challenge where you just eat certain way like no really no sugars that's the mm-hmm. other thing no sugars uh, like so no fruit nothing like that for 30 days technically after the 30 days then you can start incorporating some fruits and stuff like that the good you know uh, com- uh, complex sugars and stuff like that that you can have um, so we did that uh, but I'm trying to keep all sugars out you know stuff like that that's I mean I'm not big sugar person I'm like drinking a lot of sodas yeah you know. Not a big sweets person either. Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I may want something, but for me, it's the carbs. I love my bread and my rice. Me too. Yeah, and pasta we go through that. bread and pasta so much, oh. and it's it's hard. It's hard to cut that stuff out because yeah, that's a staple in yeah. in our house. Virginia, she's like, oh, I can do it without. I'm like, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so have you always been kind of like health conscious like that? Did you grow up being like health conscious? Like, did you have um, you know certain things that you mm-hmm. New, not, no, no, not really. No, I was, I was the chubby kid. Really? When I was younger, chubby kid. You uh, grew up in Miami, Miami right? Down in Miami. Okay. I was a chubby kid. You know, you wanted me on the football team to tackle in the grass because I was the big, one, <laughs> chubbier, so it was hard to get me down. Um, it wasn't until I got into high school where you know, obviously, you know, you start liking the girls and you're worried what you look like. Uh-huh. So I started losing a little bit of weight there. Did you play? Did you play football in high school? I did not. I okay. did one tryout. Well, I wouldn't even say tryout, like a spring little season type thing, uh-huh. and that was it. And that was more than enough for me. You know, did a little bit of a summer workouts, but that's all I did. Yeah, never really played. Okay. You know, sports, sports officially kind of stopped for me probably like around my middle school age. Okay. Uh, you so know, when I got to high school, my parents, you know, didn't have all the money and stuff they had to pay to get into yeah. sports and stuff like that, uh, and. For some reason, I just never got. I wanted to, but never actually took that step to go into it. So, 
so so what were you like in high school were, were you into certain things like did you have like a i guess where would you fall like in like you know the you know the the jocks or the music kids the band like where, where would you fall in or did you kind of so, so it's funny me i was talking to lily about this and uh things uh Things were, I would say is different than when you normally see in like the movies. Uh-huh. You know, you normally see, like you said the jocks, yeah. the nerds, and all this stuff. For us, I was one of the smart kids. Uh, you know, I was top ten percent of the class. Nice. But then the people in that school, and it wasn't even it was a regular public school, but the top ten percent of the school of my age group were the popular kids. Mm-hmm. So you know, everybody and people mixed up pretty well. I mean, a lot of us, some of us were jocks. You know, I know. Uh, some of us were just, you know, artistic kids. Some of us were in the band, so it was a good mixture. Um, of course, you had some of those extremes that were, you know, all the way on one side. But people really had a good mixture. Um, if you ask anybody in high school with me, they'll probably remember me more in ROTC. Okay. Because I did four years of ROTC because I knew I wanted to be in the military. So okay. I used that to help me get pro, uh, higher uh, promotions and uh, rank when I got in. So I did ROTC, you know, the drill teams and stuff like that. Um so you were in that for all four years? All four of, years, yeah. Okay, nice. So is that something like um, your family got you into, or was that something you just kind of fell into? Or how, how was that? Did you have like a family line of doing military? No, or, so I'm no. the first one that ever joined the military in my family. But um, my aunt, who I looked up to, uh, who's about 10 years older than me, 11 years older than me, uh, she had a boyfriend, and mm-hmm. he I was pretty cool with him. You know, he got me into a few things. He got me into comic books and stuff like that when I was younger. And then he joined the Marine Corps, me being really young, and I was like, ooh, that's cool. Yeah. But even before that, you know, watching the movie Top Gun, <laughs> you know, Navy SEALs, all uh-huh. that stuff, I, I always was, you know, drawn to that. I always wanted to go and be something like that. And mm-hmm. even, you know, my high school was, uh, ROTC was Air Force, you know, so okay. not to brag on any branches or anything <laughs> like that, but it was the Air Force, this and that. But uh-huh. then my, uh, one of my teachers heard I wanted to be a Marine and kind of told me, man, you'll never make it as a Marine. No. So that kind of pushed me a little bit more to go do it. And so when I came back and I showed him my thing, he's like, I always knew you'd make it. I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. So how old were you when you joined the Marines? Uh, So I signed when I was 17 and then officially left when I was just turned 18. So young, young and dumb. (laughs) Okay. So you quick stay and how long, how long were you in the Marines? So I did five and a half years. Okay. So, um, because of the field that I did, uh, you had to sign up for five years instead okay. of four because uh, the schooling was so long. Um, but when I got out, uh, of course, the war was going on mm-hmm. and uh, they wanted people to stay. And then, you know, uh, Virginia was pregnant with Lily. Mm-hmm. So we decided uh, maybe we want to kind of see what we do. So because Lily was due like the 23rd or 24th of August and I was supposed to get out the 22nd so the military wouldn't cover for it. Okay. So we kind of said, what can we do to, you know, get the military to cover the, the labor? Yeah. So I just extended for six months and then got it to get covered and then okay. got out. Okay. So pretty much Lily was born and then not too long after yeah, you we got out. Done. I mean, I probably would have stayed in. Um, Where were you? Were you? Uh, so I was basically stationed in North Carolina. It was my home base. Okay. But the Marines has a little motto that kind of every six months you deploy for six months or to a year. Mm-hmm. So I was always on boats somewhere, you know, went overseas. I went to Iraq, Saudi Arabia, was in Germany, Europe, you know. So did my fair share of traveling. And uh, like I said, I probably would have stayed in because uh, I, I think me and Virginia would have done fine. But knowing the war was still going on and then being, uh, you know, having a baby on the way, having Lily, we were like, all right, this is uh, probably not a good time for me to stay in. So yeah, took the chance and got up. Okay. 
And so did did you enjoy being in the Marines and everything? Do you still, you know, keep in touch with people that you went through that with? Because obviously that's like a, a very challenging uh, time and everything. So um, I guess, yeah, do you still keep in touch with anybody from that time? Yeah, um, still keep in touch with uh, quite a few of them. Uh, maybe not like every day, but we still, uh, you know, text each other. Uh, you know, wish each other, you know, a happy Marine Corps birthday because that's something you never forget. Uh, like you said, it's definitely a brotherhood going through the Marine Corps. It's, uh, like they said, it's a fraternity of, for life. So we okay. do keep in touch. Do I miss it? Uh, there are times that I miss it. You know, I miss being in shape. You know, you would just work out and do what you're told. Life was easy. <laughs> uh-huh. Now you come out in the real world and you actually have to think for yourself and force yourself to try to stay in Hard shape. Hard to find time for everything <laughs> yeah. like that. That's like your full-time job is being in, being in shape, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was it was kind of nice in that. But at the same time, when you're in there, you're kind of like, man, I want to get out, you know, dealing yeah. with all the stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's stuff that you don't want to deal with everywhere you go. Um, mm-hmm. And you learn that when you get out. You're like, oh, I still have to deal with this. It's just a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously in the military, you have to finish a contract to mm-hmm. get out. So you stick with it. Where now, if you know something you don't like it, you might be able to get away with it and go somewhere else. But mm-hmm. Nice. And so you got out of that, and then, um, so I guess did, you went through ROTC and, you know, went through through high school and everything, went to Marines, got out, coming out with uh, one one kid and uh, Lily there, and so um, where were you after that? Okay. So uh, so when we got out, so we had Lily, which Lily's mine, and then uh, Grace, of course, Virginia mm-hmm. had Grace, so she was a little bit old, a year uh-huh. older. Yep. So we have two little kids. Um, like I said, I was always been pretty smart, so I was smart enough to pick a job in the military where I knew when I got out, I could have a good career. Okay. So when I was in the military, I worked on airplanes. I mm-hmm. worked on fighter jets, C-130s, helicopters, all that stuff. Um, so when I came out, you know, took the first job right over here in Melbourne, in Rockwell Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked there and over 10 years, maybe 14 years, something like that. Uh, so I've always been doing, you know, stuff with airplanes. Even now, my new, my job now is working on airplanes. Maybe not specifically, you know, mm-hmm. things that make them fly. Now I just work on the in-flight entertainment and the TV systems on the plane. <laughs> so it's a little fun there, but it's always been airplane-specific or, you know. Well, the airline, obviously right now, airline industry is taking a, a big hit and everything. And, you know, no, not as many people are flying. Some people are starting to get back to flying a little bit. But uh, yeah. how's that been for you with this whole uh, coronavirus and kind of shutdown with, with all the airlines? Uh, it's been a little stressful, to yeah. be honest. You know, uh, obviously, like you said, airlines industry has been tanking. People aren't flying, and that's how we make our money when people fly. Uh, so, you know, my company had a few furloughs, quite a few layoffs. Um, I've been lucky enough and blessed that I wasn't part of those uh, uh, those layoffs. Uh, but the furloughs did hurt for a little bit, but we were, you know, didn't have it as bad as some people that I know out there. So, like I said, definitely blessed. And just stressed because, you know, less people, but the work's still there. So now we're just making up, you know, the work with less people. And so are you seeing that it's starting to, the work's picking back up a little bit more over the last couple of weeks? And... What do you see in at work? Yeah, so work's definitely picking up. Uh, you know, one of the excuses everybody used was like, oh, it's delayed of the COVID. It's delayed of COVID. Uh-huh. I think people are getting tired of hearing that. Uh-huh. So now you actually have to get to the work to make sure you get it You know, get it done. So mm-hmm. can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, working locally here and everything. Now, when or how old were you and when did you get linked up with, with Centerpoint? Oh, man. I'm trying to think. I was in my 20s, uh, man, been going to Centerpoint. I do remember I was working at Rockwell Collins, 
And I did have a uh, co-worker of mine that was uh, going to uh, Zion at the time. Uh-huh. And he invited me to go to Zion. And me and Virginia, you know, always felt like maybe we should find a church. Mm-hmm. And around that time, we were looking for a little bit, but not really too uh, dedicated at it. Um, so we got invited to Center Point or Zion. And... Uh, the kids in Virginia really, really loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, notice I said Virginia, and the kids really, really <laughs> loved it. Uh, there was actually another church that I was more fond of, but yeah. of course, you know, got voted out on that one. But uh, once again, God put us where He wanted us because I think it's a good thing we're center point because I've grown a lot, uh, you know, been able to make a difference on, on kids, you know, mm-hmm. and just myself and my family. So it's definitely uh, where God wanted us and needed me to be. Now, did you did you grow up in the church? Did you grow up going to church? And uh, did the one that you were drawn to kind of remind you of what you grew up with or ha- what, what was the allure of the other church that, that, uh, that got you? Um, growing up with the church, yes and no. Uh, from little, you know, I grew, well, I grew up Catholic. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, went from, got baptized as a baby, Catholic, did the uh, confession, communion, never got my confirmation, went to Catholic school uh, from kindergarten all the way to fourth grade. Uh, so I always had a kind of a, a pull towards God. God always was, pulling me towards them. You know, I was the one telling my parents, hey, can we go to church? Mm-hmm. Or my parents were like, no, no, no. <laughs> um, my dad really wasn't very religious. My mom practiced a different religion, uh, Santeria. So we, I saw, I've seen crazy things with that. But always been pulled what, towards what, God. What is that? So Santeria is kind of like um, voodoo, witchcraft type stuff. Okay. It's very popular in the Caribbean. You know, I'm from Cuba. Or my okay. family's from Cuba. So it's really big there. Um, so, you know, I got to see a lot of that stuff happen in my house family and all that kind of stuff okay uh, so obviously i know there's spirits out there you know, i've seen the good side and the bad side and of course you know god pulling me and putting me where i am now there's definitely uh, uh evidence that he's out there uh-huh. uh, so but i've always had that pull towards him and like i said i think what pulled me towards that one church is uh honestly a little bit more on the hispanic side you know the dancing the music was a little bit more uh, to the beats that I was, you know, into and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, although I will say, uh, Center Point has an amazing worship, you yeah. know, and all that stuff. Uh, Ashley, you do a great job if you're listening. <laughs> um, Shout out to Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody but, else, just Ashley. <laughs> well, no, the whole group, the whole thing. But I know she leads it on. Uh, the whole, I mean, yeah. So it was just something I felt a little more uh, comfortable with. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt more the lifestyle that I grew up with. You know, growing yeah. up in Miami. Uh-huh. Um, but the kids really loved Zion Center Point. And like I said, God wanted us there because he, you know, had me meet some of the most amazing people. Uh, you know, Pastor Tom, who's made a big impact on me. You know, uh, Pastor Milton, who's mm-hmm. basically our best friends. You know, mm-hmm. we still vacation. We go visit them. You know, the kids are, you know, we call each other, you know, Theo and Tia, which is uncle and aunt and, mm-hmm. you know, cousins. The kids think they're brothers and sisters still. So, you know. Nice. So, Yeah. Milton was pretty influential in the kind of you yeah, get involved with the, the church and everything. And so, um, yeah, what, how did that start? How did, did you guys just hit it off or? Uh, funny enough, uh, the way I got involved was I was voluntold. Uh, Milton was there, I think, for his first like VBS. Uh-huh. And uh, Virginia had signed up to help out. And Milton had made the comment that they needed some security. <laughs> And they're like, oh, well, my husband's a Marine. He'll help out. And so I got voluntold to do that. And Voluntold. Yeah, right? voluntold. <laughs> That's nice. <laughs> um, but I did, I'll never forget, I had one kid who stopped me in the middle of the hallway. And uh, he kind of snuck out of his group. Uh, I wish I could remember who it was, but I still remember the moment. 
And uh, he comes up to me. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? You should be in your group. He's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like my leader, this and that. And I'm like, come on, man. You, this is fun, man. This is good for you. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to have a good time, this and that. And we're just there talking for a few minutes. And he comes up and says, you know what? If you were my leader, I would love it. I wish you were my leader. <laughs> and that really left a print on me. Yeah. You know, wow, kids really do like me because I never saw myself as someone with kids. Yeah. You know, obviously I had kids, but I never thought I'd be teaching kids. You know, doing anything with kids, and if you know me now, now you know, major part of the kids' church, mm-hmm. coach sports, and all this kind of stuff. So, yeah. uh, God definitely uh, steered me into a direction where He's really using me. So, you kind of got into the kids' church with uh, with Milton there and everything, and so um, yeah. How how did how did Milton kind of um, influence you or kind of grow your 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 walk with with God? Um, I would say he challenged me. Okay. Um, he constantly challenged me. He always asked me, you know, asked me how things went. Uh, you know, him being a Hispanic as well, he knew about the Santeria, so he we would talk about that stuff. So and he's heard about it and seen some of the stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So we would talk about it, and you know, he was understanding. You know, where sometimes I bring it up to some people, people are like, oh man, that's really freaking weird. Get away from me. <laughs> where you know uh-huh. he wasn't so much like that, and. Um, Funny, we uh, are fearful of what we we don't no, know. No, yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, he would just put me in positions where I felt very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember, you know, I always felt comfortable with the older kids because mm-hmm. you know I thought I was really cool and stuff like that, so I can <laughs> hang out with the older kids. Um, but th- at this point, you know, at one point, center point kids started separating into small groups, and he's like, "Hey, we need someone for the." You know, second and third graders, and I'm just like, oh, and that's not me. He's like, and you're gonna do it, <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, are you kidding me? But yet, those uh, relationships, relationships that I built with those kids are mm-hmm. still lasting to today. Where, I mean, some of them are, you know, in the military right now. Some of them are mm-hmm. in high school. You know, it's just seeing these kids grow up. I still have a relationship where they still see me, and they're happy to see me, and to know that I made a big impact on them. Uh, was great and like I said God used me in a way that anything that could be used so mm-hmm. um, I always tell people you know God puts you in places to stretch you mm-hmm. I and mean, when you stretch is when you grow and that's where I felt like I grew because I, grew I always felt like I wasn't very knowledgeable of you know of the Bible or you know of you know just a relationship with God although I grew up you know going to Catholic school so I you know knew the stories mm-hmm. but really didn't know the stories because it was read to me there um, but teaching these kids the story, and even in a kid way, made me learn so much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, made me actually maybe understand it better, you know, because you kind of dumb it down for a kid so they can understand it, where sometimes you're in service and they start asking you stuff and you're like, I have no idea what they're talking about. I'm have to go look that up. Or when I'm teaching it for the kid stuff, you know, I'm going through it, I'm like, oh, I never saw it this way. You know, mm-hmm. they just paint a different picture so you can understand it. That's awesome, yeah. I feel like uh, a, a male, strong male leaders in the church are hard to come by, and it's you know something that should be valued more. And um, you know, and in, in our men's group, we're going through um, well, we've kind of stopped a little bit, but King, Kingdom Man, the the book, and so how to be a strong um, you know male leader and everything. And so that's that's something that I I I didn't necessarily know was so valuable it's something that I had in, in my church growing up and I had a, a great male um, leader and a mentor that kind of helped me with uh, learning more and everything and um, you know some of that, that I, I I definitely value so the relationships that you've made and are, are continue to make with the kids church it's 
going to transpire to, you know, more in life, even if they don't necessarily stick in the church for, you know, all throughout the, those, you know, those years, it's something that they can kind of refer back to and everything. Um, and it's not also, you know, the, the impact that I've made on them. I mean, I'm, uh, I think of the way they've impacted me as well um, in so many different ways. Uh, you know, going to center points made me a stronger Christian. So, like, even in my football, I've involved praying in my football team so when I coach my team knows hey we're going to pray at practice we're going to pray before games and we're going to pray at the end of the game with the other team whether we win or lose that's awesome um, and I still remember one of the kids uh, one time we were in a hurry I forgot what it was I still remember the game we were in Orlando and the kid you know we forgot to pray we didn't have time to pray and we started the football game and uh, like some more time in the first quarter the kids come hey coach coach we didn't pray we got to pray <laughs> So he made sure, you know, wow. call a timeout. Yeah. We prayed, and then we went right back to football. So, nice. you know, that made an impact on me knowing, look, these kids are taking this to heart. They really do care, and they're really listening and learning something. So yeah. uh, it really did something to me to remind me to that everybody's watching. The kids are watching, but these kids are just so forgotten. They're, it's just amazing to see these kids after yeah. God. Yeah, and that's cool. Like, you know, you, you, I'm sure you've seen the, the instances where you can kind of see that impact right away. Some of the instances where you, you know, see, is this kid really getting something out of this? But, you know, that impact may be down the road. It may come back. And so um, now other than the kids ministry and everything, you're also involved with uh, leading Financial Peace University. Yep. Um, how long have you been doing that for? You've been doing it for a couple of times now. Yeah, we've been... Uh... So we took financial peace, me and my wife, we took financial peace seven years ago. Okay. Um, so we've been teaching it right after that pretty much. So for six years, we've been teaching financial peace. Um, and so for, for those who don't know, what, how would you describe what, what is financial peace? Uh, financial peace is amazing. Uh, uh, best way to say it, it's amazing and it's life-changing. Uh, financial peace is pretty much uh, a class uh, that's kind of taught by Dave Ramsey with the assistance of you know leaders like myself and my wife where we kind of help you go through and learn stuff but it teaches you how to budget how to find how to use your finances the biblical way mm -hmm. um, you know teaches you debt's not the right way um, it's never been the right way it was never meant to be the Bible says you know you're a slave to the debt mm -hmm. and uh, who wants to be a slave nobody does um, so from the beginning of time you were never supposed to have debt, but it seems like society has turned around where mm -hmm. everything's based on debt. I mean, even your credit score is based on how well you manage your debt. Yeah. Instead of saying how much you're not in debt mm -hmm. for credit scores, which you think it should be, it's, no, how well do you manage your debt? <laughs> so I know, I know people that are like don't even belong to a church and are atheists and they align with his, his <laughs> principles and like this makes sense like how to manage your money i mean it's it's the biblical way and everything but you know it actually helps you you know get ahead and you know get in control of your money instead of being just a consumer of all of like this you know marketing everything going on with like you said the credit card and everything um Abra and i took it while we were um engaged and then we we let it um a few times uh, once we got married and something that obviously we're still going through it's a process it's not like you take it one time and just check yeah, in and out time. it, it takes, takes um anything in particular that um like sticks with you from those teachings or um i know he he has a bunch of different you know messages the one i remember is like where he he talks about like the compound interest and like so he has like these two people one started when they were you know 16 and then the one started when they were 
20 and then the one that started you know just that few years year earlier how much they accumulated over that compound interest and everything any any uh lessons or um things stand out to you uh, the two things that stood out to me the most and i always remember is uh one was one of the things you know how to get out of debt which is with gazelle intensity is what he said uh-huh. you know you know why do gazelles live so well you know running away from the fastest animal which is a cheetah because it's fearful for its life and it's running like, you know, like a gazelle trying to get out of debt. And that's the way you need to get out of debt. Just mm-hmm. run as far as way, as fast as you can, as far as way you can from debt. So get it out of the way. Do whatever it takes. Can't just tiptoe through it. Can't just, yeah. you know, coast your way to get out of debt. You got to just bolt, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. So that one. And then I still remember uh, the one image where they show... Uh, the marketing and how banks work you know where they show your house uh-huh. and then he zooms out and he shows you know the buildings of the uh, the banks and all that stuff you know they show how the banks are marketing mm-hmm. to taking your money and how much money they're making off of you mm-hmm. uh, I never thought credit cards was a marketing uh, device oh, yeah. I always you know growing up hey put it on credit yeah you know, oh look here's a zero percent transfer transfer it over mm-hmm. um, but this taught me, you know, that was their plan from the beginning to keep you in debt. You know, that this was their idea on how to keep on making money. So they're making money off of you instead of you making money and telling your money what to do. Yeah. And, you know, that those teachings and everything have um, I do you listen to his his radio show or have you listened to like his I guess it's like a podcast, but he has like a radio show that he answers, you know, questions and everything. So I listen to his every once in a while. Um, I do get emails and I'll listen to some of those if they, you know, spark an interest on me on the topic. Um, The one I listen to a little bit more is uh, uh, Chris Hogan. Okay. You know, yeah. bigger voice, big guy. Uh, <laughs> retired inspired. Yeah. He's got like the deepest voice you've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, he scares you <laughs> just listening to him talk soft. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I get a lot of his podcasts that come through and I listen to his. And I mean, they're both the same message. Um, mm-hmm. I just end up listening to his a little bit more. Uh, and not that I like one more than the other. It just ends up being, those are the ones that when I look at on my email, I have the time and I listen to them. So I do listen to those quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, learn something new. And some of the stuff I already know, but it's a nice refresher. Yeah. And they're they're definitely blunt. They don't, uh, yes. you know, beat around the bush with people ask questions and they don't, you know, yeah, don't, you don't, don't hesitate. hesitate saying, if you don't want to know the truth, don't yeah. ask. <laughs> they don't hesitate saying, well, well, that's stupid. You know, don't, don't do that kind of thing. Like they they tell it like it is and everything. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's such an important topic, I feel like, that, you know, everybody that goes um, to the church should kind of, learn because it's not necessarily that you're you know learning and being indoctrinating the system to give the church more money it's it's how to actually get ahead and and win with money and you know do it in a biblical way and so i think a big misconception is when i was talking to um pastor tom was you know that the the church just wants your money like kind of thing that's a misconception if you don't go to church that you you just feel like the church just wants wants your money and so um can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, because I was going to say another point um, that I remember now from the class is, you know, live now like no one else so you can give and live like no one else later. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the things he says is, you know, the church, if everybody tithed and did their part and, you know, was able to give and had the savings and stuff like that, we wouldn't need the government. Mm-hmm. The church can take care of the United States with all the issues that it had. If just the church just gave 10% of what they made, we would... Be able to help everybody, and that's what the church does with their money. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, some people don't think it's that they think the church wants the money. But yep. if they could just see what the church really does with what we give them, 
the difference we make. I mean, Center Point with all the events that we do, the food pantry, mm-hmm. um, people forget that costs money. Yeah. You know, the church doesn't get the stuff for free. We they got to pay for it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, being able to give is a huge, huge, you know, blessing um, for yourself. It's, it just makes you feel so much better than actually receiving. So. Taking this class has given me and Virginia the opportunity to be able to give more mm-hmm. and uh, just be able to make an impact on people's lives more. And even on my kids to see how important it is to be uh, have financial peace and be able to give mm-hmm. um, the way God wants us to. And especially in the time that we're having right now where people, a lot of people are out of jobs and a lot of people are getting laid off and things like that. And, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about having, you know, this emergency fund in place and, you know, preparing for a rainy day or or things like this. And, you know, that's old school method of, you know, of thinking about finances. Now everybody, you know, the current way to think of the finances, just put it on a, a, you know, credit card and everything. You can pay it off and, you know, debt's good. There's good debt and bad debt, you know. Right now, there's no good debt. <laughs> Nobody's looking at their debt right now and saying, "Oh, I'm glad I have that." Like everybody's, you know, if especially if they they've lost their job and everything. But, um, you know, it's it's tough times right now and everything. But you know, just being on a budget and being able to tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went um, is such a, a valuable tool and skill to have. Um, you know, how many times have you had twenty dollars in your in your wallet, and three days later you're like, "Hey, where did that twenty dollars go?" Because you forgot you spent it <laughs> yeah. just because you're yep. out there buying a few, you know, coffees or whatever it is you want to buy. It's so easy to just get distracted or not not pay attention to that stuff, especially with all the, you know, marketing that's being thrown at you on a constant, you know, daily basis and everything. Um, but kind of going into, you know, this has been, been a tough year for a lot of people so far, and we're, we're not even all the way through it. We, we still got a tough, you know, finish to, to go with it. I don't know if I want to redo or just to get it over. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's good to talk about too, you know, over over 2020, What's what's been your favorite memory that you've had so far? Um, favorite memory I've had so far, I want to say, and it's kind of funny to say because it's thanks to COVID, is the time I'm spending with my family. Um, you know me, we're, uh, we're a busy family with sports, with everything we do. We're always volunteering, we're always doing something. Uh, COVID really slowed our family down. It gave us the opportunity to spend time together, um, to do things that we enjoy. I mean, we started doing puzzles together at some points. We started playing cardboard games, um, just hanging out in the pool and just joking around, going on little mini vacations for the weekend, just things that we were missing, things that, you know, it's something that our family needed because we were just so fast-paced, um, trying to get everything done, pack everything in the 24 hours that we have. So my favorite memories, I'm going to say, for 2020 is spending the time with my family. Mm. That's good. So how do, how do you balance that? I mean, as far as looking at that and you know knowing you have older kids than I do and everything and looking at how much social media plays on on you know my life and you know the role I don't want it to have on my kids life how do you balance that at home do you have certain things that you do as a as a father to kind of promote that that real that intentional time that you're spending together like you kind of talked about or what do you guys do so we do a few little things um some of them are you know bigger and some are smaller some of the small things we do is like dinner uh, we make sure we have dinner together, especially, I mean, 
like you said, kids are a little bit older, so Lily's now driving, so she gets home a little bit later from practices. But mm-hmm. before, we always made sure we had dinner together, and we still do the best we can to do that. And we do this thing where we say, what's your worst part, silliest, and best part of the day? So we'll go around the table asking everybody those three questions. And you can't just say, oh, nothing. You actually have to say something. That way, you know, we're interacting with each other. Um, so those are the little things that we do to make sure we keep our family close and we know what's going on. Uh, the other thing my family we love to do is vacations. Like I said, you know, yeah. if we have a free weekend, you know, we'll try to find something to do. Very rare will you see us at home just relaxing. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to try to spend time together that way. And you know, the biggest thing and the hardest thing to do is tell people no phones on the table. You know, when we're having dinner. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a lot tougher than you know than people think. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess not. I think everybody knows it's hard to put your phone down. Yep. Because. Uh, we're just so tied to it, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. That's something that I can see myself setting like a precedent, and then you know, two minutes later, picking up my phone and, and going to and it. And it happens like, all the time. It's like, yeah. oh, I was checking something for yeah. you, or <laughs> right. I just needed to see this. Yeah, but um, but yeah, you talk about taking um, trips and everything, and um, I know with the the church, you've been on a couple uh, missions trips. You've went yeah. to to Ecuador. Have you taken uh, Leo or, or Lily on any of those? Uh, not yet. We were planning on it. Um, this past year, we were actually going to lead one to Africa. They weren't going to go. But we also were going to go... Uh, uh, it was to Ecuador, I think. It was. Yeah. it was to the Ecuador one that we were going to go to. Guatemala, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. It was one of the ones the church was going to go to, and we were actually going to take the kids with us oh, yeah. so they can see what was going on. But unfortunately... Yeah, you know, we were supposed to go on yeah, that together. Yeah, we were supposed to go on that one together, yeah. Uh, it was Ecuador, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, Ecuador, yeah. Sorry, Grace went to Guatemala. That's why oh, okay. she, we, she did get to go up on one to Guatemala. Oh, nice. Um, what did she... Did she like it? Oh, she loved it. Yeah. I mean, we say she should be a, a missionary. She should go out there because she's great with people out there and she's so easygoing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a perfect fit for her. Yeah. Um, but, you know... Not just mission trips going out, stuff like that. We make sure our kids are always volunteering, doing stuff. You know, we make sure they're part of the back-to-school events, any events that are going on in the school or anything else like that. Uh, Virginia and the girls always used to go up to uh, a CFAT up in, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's Alabama, okay. uh, every year and go help out there. So, you know, mission trip necessarily doesn't mean leaving the country. You can do stuff right here. So we make sure the kids definitely. learn it's important to, to bless others because God's definitely blessed, mm-hmm. you know, our family. Do you have any, um, you know, specific memories from going on a mission trip or, you know, being in Ecuador? And you were definitely a um, valuable member because you can speak Spanish and everything. So, um, but uh, from the ones that you've been on, anything stand out to you as far as, you know, memorable time or something that... Um, Man, how much time do we have? <laughs> a lot of those. Yeah. There's a lot. I mean, there's so many things. I mean, like I said, I never... not. not being younger, I never thought of kids would impact me so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just the relationships I had with some of those kids doing the VBSs. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of those kids just want to sit down next to me. Uh, you know, they were just so happy to be, for me being there. They, you know, they want to go up there and play soccer or volleyball. Mm-hmm. And just spending the time with them, you know. Uh, the ones we I went on was a medical trip as well. The mm-hmm. one, like, similar to the one we were going to do to go, go to. So these kids are scared, you know. They're getting their teeth pulled out. They're getting shots, things they're not used to. Jeez. And luckily, me being able to speak Spanish, I was able to sit there and comfort them, mm-hmm. and you know, get them through it, and you know, 
see them afterwards and see how they're recovering and see, you know, let them know they're still important. Mm -hmm. So those are the things I, I remember. I can, you Just the kids. I mean, yeah. it's hard to forget those kids and, you know, seeing what they went through and then coming back home and realizing it's not bad at all. <laughs> what we complain about yeah. is uh, yeah. is not necessarily uh, important when you've mm -hmm. seen kind of what they've gone through and everything. Um, well, hopefully we can kind of get back to having, you know, mission trips and everything. I know there's going to be some online um, yeah, mission trips, mission. yeah, virtual. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to trying to do that because, you know, Avery and I had, had planned on going on mission trip prior to, to kids and everything. It got pushed back and pushed back and then we were going to do the Equard and then the, you know, coronavirus hit and all that. So, um, but yeah, definitely something that I... I want to experience and not something that I, um, I've really done. I haven't gone overseas for a mission trip or anything. Um, but, and you're brave to be the first one, to, the first one leading one. That's very brave. <laughs> well, props on that. yeah, well, we'll see. Hopefully it can come back, come back around and, uh, and, and do it once, once the things have opened up a little bit more. Um, but yeah, so I just want to ask you, you know, any any closing thoughts that you have? Um, anything that you want to tell the people of the church, or kind of um, you know, any closing thoughts that you have? Um, I guess especially at a time like now is it, it's it's tough with all the things going around, uh, not just COVID, but you know the the state of the situation of you know the the country, the world, you know the, the racism, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just so in our face, but at the same time, we got to look at all the blessings God has given us. Um, there's so many out there that we just overlook. So try not to overlook those blessings because when you realize how blessed you are, we can bless others. And when we start blessing each other, I think that is really going to change this country. It's going to change the world. Um, if we're able to bless others and then also if we realize how blessed we are and how God is there with us, you know, all the time. He hasn't left us. Amen. Well, thanks, Juan. Yeah, Appreciate no problem. It. Thanks for having me. Yeah.